Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast, sponsored by First Federal. It's Monday, May 2nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today's show covers two topics. We'll start talking about the Chiefs draft with beat writer Herbie Teope. The Chiefs selected 10 players, including two in each of the first two rounds, and received great grades from Herbie and those who covered the NFL. Herbie breaks down the picks and explains why he graded the way he did. After a break, we switch gears and catch up with a pair of sports icons, George Brett and Tom Watson. Monday was the Joe McGuff ALS Golf Classic, a fundraiser for the disease that took the life of the former editor and sports columnist for the Star, along with Brett's good friend, Keith Worthington, and Watson's caddy, Bruce Edwards. It's great for those Kansas City sports figures to lend their name and time to this event. Star columnist Vahe and I discussed the McGuff Classic, and when we finish jabbering, you'll hear from Watson and Brett about why they continue to lend their names and time to this great occasion. Okay, let's get started talking Chiefs with Herbie Teope. The draft is over, Herbie. Um, Chiefs made 10 picks, and they came into the draft with specific needs and they addressed them right away, right in the first round. I, I thought in the first round we could see either uh, a corner, a defensive end, or a wide receiver. Turns out they took a corner and a defensive end, and then with their third pick took a wide receiver. Uh, and so I thought the Chiefs did a pretty good job of addressing and meeting their needs. What can we say kind of generally overall about the Chiefs' effort in the draft and a where would we where would we grade them? <laughs> I think this draft was phenomenal. You, you mentioned the fact that they went after a cornerback and defensive end in that first round, and and this is something that Brett Veach kind of hinted at. Uh, well, not necessarily hinted. He flat out said <laughs> defense is our priority after they lost to Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game. They stayed out of the the big free agent market. They didn't spend money on that because they knew that. They had opportunities in the draft uh, at the combine. Remember, Veach said at the combine, there's a lot of depth here. Sitting there at 29 and 30, granted, they moved up from 29 to 21 to take Trent McDuffie. But cornerback and defensive end had to be at the top of their menu. And my goodness, they, they nailed this draft. I, I honestly believe they nailed this draft. Of the 10 picks, seven were on defense, five defensive backs, uh, you know, three offensive players, you got the wide receiver. You you got an offensive uh, tackle. But overall, you know, a lot of people are raving about this draft, and, and I'm going to rave about it too. This is a solid A, 100% a solid A. I've seen that grade by most of the national people. Um, no, kind of no no worse than a B B plus for this Chiefs draft. And when I when I seen it compared to other teams, they're in the top five, along with the Jets, the Ravens. Eagles, uh, I thought had a you know said to have had a really good draft. Of course, with with grades and evaluations, we'll have to see what happens. You know, you look back at the, this was Brett Veach's is it fourth? Let's see, 18, 19, 20, 21, 20, His fifth draft. I thought his first one, the one in which Breland speaks, was their first pick, was the worst of his four. But they've got they got progressively better after that. Um, this one. Uh, had the most picks of a Brett Beach draft with 10. And I, I think this is kind of a pivotal point for the Chiefs, too, in terms of you know, bidding farewell to Tyreek Hill, probably bidding farewell to Tyron Matthew, and, um, and, and kind of 
resetting the cap a little bit, going forward with some youth. And they got, you know, they seem to get some really good value. I'll, I'll tell you one outfit that, that really, really liked the Chiefs was Pro Football Focus. And they thought it was the, the best draft of any of the, the teams. And, and I think one of the reasons for that is because at least when you go top maybe three or four, maybe down to Leo Chanel at five, their fifth pick, they outperformed the projection, right? So if Pro Football Focus had, a, you know, McDuffie at, at, you know, I don't know, 10, 12, even 13, well, the Chiefs got him at 21. They had to trade to do it. Same with George Karloftis. They loved Karloftis uh, and Sky Moore. They, they gave Sky Moore a first-round grade, and here he was taking uh, number 54 overall. So, so which one – how many of these guys are either starters or rotation guys from the jump? Okay, starters, obviously their first two draft picks. Trent McDuffie is going to be a starter. George Karloftis is, will be a starter. Leo Chanel, uh, their – their other pick in the draft, off the top of my head, I forgot what round he went. <laughs> he, he was a third rounder. Yeah, third uh, round. 103 overall, the linebacker from Wisconsin. Yes, he will be a starter because Brett Veach, you know, sort of hinted at it. They wanted a Sam linebacker to pair up with Willie Gay Jr. and Nick Bolton. So, of, you know, of their first five picks, at least three of them, three of those guys are going to be starters. Brian Cook, I love that guy. He's absolutely going to be a rotational player given the fact that Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, loves the three-safety look. He always runs a lot of three-safety packages, so you can expect Cook to be in there with Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed. Uh, Sky Moore, look, here's the deal with Sky Moore. Develop this guy. Yeah, he's a second-round draft pick. You expect your first and second-round draft picks to see the field and make an impact, but I don't think they're going to expect him to start this year because you already have McCole Hardman, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, and you have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Those guys, those three, project as the top three. So you, you have space there to rotate Sky Moore in there as your number four, kind of like what we thought would happen last year with their fifth-round pick, Cornell Powell. Of course, that didn't work out. But Moore is a different animal here. So I think, you know, when you're looking at Sky Moore, develop him because Reed's offense is so complex, he's going to have to absorb absorb that thing, uh, and then look look to use him for the future. McCole Hardman, Smith-Schuster, this is the final year of their contract, so you need to bolster that depth behind him. Right. Um, okay, so that we've mentioned uh, players in the top five, the, the top five picks, McDuffie, Karloftis, Sky Moore, Brian Cook, and Leo Chanel. Um, let's, let's look a little bit at the bottom five, which is really interesting. So, uh, so these would be rounds uh, – Players of the Chiefs took in rounds four, five, and seven. They didn't have a sixth-round pick. And we know, they, we know they didn't have a sixth-round pick because as we were waiting for the Chiefs to make their picks, it was definitely a long wall between <laughs> pick, the fifth-round pick, which they didn't have until, until Saturday. Uh, they traded uh, again, with the, I think, with the Patriots for this. Anyway, um, it, got, it went for a couple hours between picks for the Chiefs, or it seemed like it. But anyway, Three hours and 21 minutes, Blair. Three hours and 21 minutes. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, it went in the fourth round, interesting, intriguing pick here. Joshua Williams, the cornerback from Fayetteville State, Division II school, historically black college in, uh, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Love his size. Now, it's just going to be an adjustment for him to, to go uh, play you know, CIAA football to, uh, to the NFL. But I, I love that the Chiefs scouted him and – 
uh, and, and thought he was worth a fourth round draft pick. Yeah, I love what David Henson said. You know, there's always going to be a concern when a player comes from a small school like he did coming out of Fayetteville State. The Chiefs area scout, David Henson, said, you know, what you're looking for is does that speed, does it translate on the field? And so when that does happen, it doesn't matter if you're at Alabama or Fayetteville State. That's that's the kind of player that you're getting. 6'3", 197 pounds. Look, you can't have enough cornerbacks in the NFL, but I think you you have the opportunity to develop this guy. Uh, you know, your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks are your developmental players, and you do have that opportunity now to see what he can do when he comes into the camp because they're not going to be pressed to get him on the field as a starter. Those jobs belong to McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, and Rashad Fenton, and maybe DeAndre Baker in the mix. But what you have with your fifth cornerback is a guy who can get in there in a pinch and also contribute on special teams. I like that pick. I really do. Well, and somebody who uh, many people believe deserved a second or third round uh, pick and did not get it was the, uh, the, the Chiefs' fifth round selection, Darian Pennard, offensive tackle from Kentucky, might see him play guard. We don't know yet. We're still uh, Chiefs are still going to figure that out. But he was not too happy with his place in the draft, <laughs> was he, Herbie? No, he was not happy at all. And I love the comparison. He immediately invoked the Trey Smith situation from the 2021 NFL draft. As we all know, Smith slid all the way to the sixth round. The Chiefs got exceptional value there because now Smith is a starter at right guard. I think this is what's going to project here as well. They had to get a tackle. You know, this is something that I, I hammered on in my mock drafts, that they had to get a tackle because of Lucas Nyang's uncertain situation. You know, Niang suffered, a, he started nine games last year, but he suffered a torn patellar tendon in that regular season finale. Veach said in April, they're not expecting him back until the end of training camp. You know, you have Andrew Wiley, you have Jerron Christian, and one of those two is going to hold down the fort, uh, probably Andrew Wiley. But you had to get a guy for the future if Niang is not your, is not the guy. Okay, and then I think Kennard, who said he's going to play pissed, you know, He's the guy, you know, he's the guy who could emerge and the Chiefs might maybe have caught lightning in the bottle, two straight drafts. You know, you're looking at your fifth, uh, six round picks and you're getting starters there. You know, Trey Smith, of course, uh, slid in the draft because of uh, some injury talk, um, injury that he suffered in, in college. And maybe that was the case with Kennard, too, with a I think he called it, I think it was a shoulder, maybe a, I forgot what exactly. A meniscus. Yeah, okay, he had a, a meniscus. Yeah, and, uh, and maybe that precipitated his drop, but he he certainly has a lot of confidence in himself and was disappointed to fall in the fifth round. We'll see if he brings that energy to, to the Chiefs. Okay, they had three in the seventh round. Um, Jalen Watson, the cornerback from Washington State. Isaiah Pacheco, I hope I'm pronouncing his, his name correctly, the running back from Rutgers. And another name I hope I'm getting right, Nazee Johnson, uh, safety cornerback from uh, Marshall University. Let's, let's spend a moment on Pacheco, the running back. Led Rutgers in rushing for three of his four years there. Put up some nice numbers for a team that you know, didn't play terribly well in the, in the Big Ten. This guy, pretty happy to be a, an NFL draft pick, as we saw in the press room. And uh, why, why would the Chiefs take a running back in this in this draft when they, you know, they, they, they had a first round pick a couple of years ago that's still with the team. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, Derek Gore um, went out and got Ronald Jones, second from Tampa Bay. 
what, what, what was the need for the for running back here? Well, you have a lot of a lot of moving pieces in play here. Derek Gore was tendered as an exclusive rights free agent. So, you know, after this year, he'll be a restricted free agent. Ronald Jones uh, was signed to a one year deal. Clyde Edwards Alaire, this is a make or break year for him because he's got to prove to the Chiefs as he enters 2023, he's worth that fifth year option. So it makes sense to bolster the running back group. Edwards Alaire, Ronald Jones project as your top two. Why not get competition in there at the number three spot uh, with Derek Gore? Pacheco, man, you got to love everything he said. He checked all the boxes. You know, he didn't talk about his his rushing skills. He he more so uh, uh, punctuated the fact that he's a good receiver out of the backfield. And the thing that really caught my attention was I look forward to blocking for Patrick Mahomes. And then he says, I'm willing to take another grown man's job. I mean, you got to love that mentality. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's so, he, you know, he knows he's coming in here to be a third round option. Right. That's some New Jersey bravado there from, from Isaiah Pacheco. So, okay, um, Herbie, take us through what's next. When do the, a lot of these guys are in Kansas City already? You know, the, the, of course, with, ed, with draft picks, you get, you, know, you, you get flown into the city, that uh, the team that took you, you meet the fans. What's, what's next for the rookie class? And believe it or not, we're, we're already in the grind. You know, the draft is now in the rearview mirror. The Chiefs will hold a three-day rookie mini camp this upcoming weekend. They take a break. And then, boom, we're right in the OTAs. Organized team activities start at the end of May, uh, May the 24th to the 26th, 31st of May through June the 2nd. So we're, we're here. We're, we're right back into the, into the grind. But you know what? These rookies have the opportunity, especially in this three-day mini camp, to get their hands on the playbook. They'll go through some installs, and the coaches will finally be able to get them on the field. Um, we're not going to expect – you know, we can't – we got to temper our enthusiasm when we're out there because – there's going to be a lot of seven on six. You know, they don't have enough players out there to run full drills, but they can at least go through the install. And this is where they have the opportunity to show the coaches that we can grasp what you're asking us. Okay. You have heard from Herbie Teope and his thoughts on the draft. We're going to take a break. Thanks a lot, Herbie. No problem, Blair. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Uh, Vahe, you are the uh, emergency <laughs> backup plan today, and how fortunate we are that you are here um, this was going to be Brett Veach talking about the Chiefs draft 
after, um, you know, in the second segment of the show, of course, we had Herbie Teope breaking down the draft in the first part. But as, uh, you know, as luck would have it, uh, Brett Veach is going to speak tomorrow to the media and, and discuss the Chiefs draft, which I think you'll agree was, at least on paper, seems to be a pretty good one. And, um, and instead, we're going to talk about something that's uh, become a favorite event for you and I to attend and a um, pretty, pretty worthwhile event as well. The, the, the Joe McGuff ALF, AL, let me start over, the Joe McGuff ALS Golf Classic at Lionsgate in Overland Park. We spend more time, maybe outside of spring training with George Brett at this event than we do maybe any other time of year. And Tom Watson is um, a prince of a person to donate his time and effort to to this uh, occasion as well. So we got to talk to George and Tom and then run into old friends like Gary Pinkle and John Wathan and, and others at this event. So um, I know it's, I've been going for, I don't know, 15 years maybe, um, but and you've been going for for eight or nine years. Is it um, is it one of those can't miss events for you as well? It is, and I think um, you laid out a lot of the reason why. But what's what's really compelling every year is that, of course, we know that George Brett had a had a dear friend, Keith Worthington, Tom Watson's caddy, Bruce Edwards. These people were very close to them, and in a in a period of a few years, they they saw them go through the the absolute just horrifying trauma of of ALS, and both made promises that they would do all they could to, you know, in their honor, in their name, to try to help the cause, right? Help help fight it. And I, I was remarking to you earlier afterwards that one of the things that's so moving about speaking with them every year here is that it's always fresh. It is as if they're talking about it the first time. There's never just this feeling of, oh, we're just showing up for an event. They are, they are there, they are lasered in. Um, they spend the bulk of the day, um, and you might be able to lay that out better than I can with what they do out at the golf course, but um, our time with them is, is pretty, uh, pretty precious, pretty intimate talking to them about this. And usually, I, 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 you know, I don't want to, uh, thump our chest, but there's not much media here. I mean, we had a couple others. Our, our friend Todd Lebo was there, and um, I think it might have been it. Um, I think you're right. Todd Lebo, of course, from 810, yeah. um, WHB here in, in the sports radio. No, so, so we like it for that reason. I don't, I'm not criticizing anybody. I just, it's just nice for us. It's very conversational. And, there are usually uh, TV easy. cameras there, and there yeah. weren't, weren't any TV cameras. Maybe the... the, the uh, well, the weather maybe. The weather and, and, the, and everybody covering the NFL draft yeah. this weekend uh, with the Chiefs. So it may have had something to do with it as well. But um, no, I totally agree. Um, and I love that observation too. It, it, the, George and Tom treat it like, um, like, like it's the most important thing in the world to them. And it, it, in some ways it is very, very important to them. But, but they, bring a, they do bring a fresh... Um, j- just a fresh idea to it, and um, and and they treat it like it's like it deserves to be treated, yeah. right? Uh, and uh, it's it's admirable the way the way George and Tom are um, are champions for this cause. It is, and and you know we've seen them invest in it in many different ways. Whether it's their friendships with with people who've been afflicted with this, whether it's other 
time and uh, effort, and I, I, I don't know this precisely, but I, I'm, I'm sure they also uh, financially um, provide. And I mean, the ALS uh, people here and in the region just just can't believe they're fortunate having having these two. I mean, really, any Mount Rushmore we create of Kansas City sports, these two are on it. I think. Um, yes, I agree. So when you when you look at it that way, you think about that reach and clout. Um, that's that's pretty great, and it's also uh, indicative, I think, of um, how sad and pernicious this is. That you know, we know people. I've known people. You've known people who know people, etc that are touched by this and until you see it I don't think I don't think you really have a sense of what it is and these two saw it up close and personal and very painful way and you're right it's a, it's such a a um, special day for the participants of this charity golf event uh, Tom Watson uh, gives a clinic before the you know before everybody tees off and I've, I've attended that clinic it's it's fantastic. It is worth the price of admission, and uh, he often uses George Brett as a uh, as a student in this. <laughs> yeah. And to see George, you know, hit his driver, it's it's stunning. He hits it um, as you might expect. He he um, he pounds the ball, <laughs> so does a great job. Um, so I guess we can continue to talk about this, but I think maybe a better idea is to let George and Tom. Uh, have the floor now. Let them describe their their feelings about uh, the Joe McGuff ALS. AL, why can't I say it? The Joe McGuff ALS Classic, and um, and and they they're speaking from the heart here, as, as they always do. They're um, as we as we said, they are they are absolutely champions of this cause. So, um, Vahe, thanks for the chat. And now let's hear from uh, Tom Watson and George Brett. You guys have uh, both of you guys have been involved with this for a long time, George. Longer. When uh, today, when someone gets diagnosed with ALS, do you feel different about that diagnosis today than when you maybe 20 years ago when someone got diagnosed? Or are you feeling there's some advancements because of awareness and no. medical still same? No, still still the same. Uh, sadly, there's no cure, uh, and sadly, there's really not anything that could really help help somebody who contracts it. So when you hear somebody getting ALS, it's just, it, it hits you really hard. Always hits me hard. And just like it hit me hard with Bruce, with Keith, and, uh, it just hits you. And uh, I'm, I'm impatient. I'm very, I'm impatient uh, that uh, with, with all the support that uh, uh, has been given to the research in this, uh, it, I guess it's, you know, Honestly, it's kind of God's way of saying, you know, this is this is a real challenge for you. You've got to, you know, you got to figure it out. We haven't figured it out yet. Uh, the experts haven't figured it out yet, but they uh, they certainly have uh, gone and expanded the areas of, of research uh, and testing and clinical trials. They've expanded that. Something's going to happen. I, I'm, I have faith that something's going to happen, uh, and I hope soon. But my impatience is getting to me. Hmm. Tom, are you still as involved? I remember one time talking to you at, at length about how much you were studying, to some degree, the science of it. Do you, do you still feel like you're, you're trying to... I don't study the science quite as much, but I do keep track of uh, some of the studies that show promise. Uh, the trials. And, and, you know, 
and, and particularly last year's study that uh, you know we, we were pretty there was some real promise but it turns out it, it didn't it didn't really uh, really didn't show uh, what we hoped it was going to show. George, do you feel the same way Tom does? Yeah, it? yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. I've I've known Sarah Olson, who's like my friend here in town, the police officer um, from Kansas City, Missouri Police Department. I mean, she's hung in well, but her life is non-existent. You know, she's in a wheelchair. She's like this. She's got a respirator, and and um, and she's contacted. She got the disease long before some of the people that have gotten it that have already passed away. And and the, the most incredible thing about this disease or this sickness is that I have never met, and I've met hundreds of patients over the years, nobody has ever really felt sorry for themselves and they know what their life's gonna come to. And, and they know there's no cure in sight. Keith Worthington knew there was no, no cure in sight, but he lived eight or nine years just trying to raise awareness so maybe he can save someone's life down the road. And, and that's why we're here, because of his valiant effort. Not to save himself. Hey, we got to do this and save myself. No, he cared about other people. And that's how most of the patients, I, I would say all the patients that I've come in contact with over the years, they know the end is near, but they still enjoy life, you know, as much as they possibly can. That'll do it for today. Thanks for spending some time with us. Big shout out to producer Monty Davis and the Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Ficken. Thanks to Herbie Teope and Vahe Gregorian for sharing their insights. A programming note, be sure to tune in at 10 a.m. on Tuesday to Sportsbeat Live, where we'll discuss Royals. Catch us on the Star's Facebook page or Twitter account. We'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.